0: Welcome to j Root Radio. This is the Halakha Hour on j Root Radio, live on Wednesday afternoon, 2 to 3 p.m. This class will also be on again tonight, Razat Hashem, at 11 to 12 p.m. Today is Khaf Het Tammuz. We're a few days away from Rosh Chodesh Av. And therefore, we're going to be changing the subject for the next two weeks for today. And the following week, instead of our usual Halakha class on Shabbat, which we're dealing with the laws of mukseh we will be discussing An Yana current events, and that is the Halakhot of the nine days, specifically today, and also the halachot of Tisha next week. Being that this year, the three weeks fell out, beginning on Shabbat and ending on Shabbat, although it will end on Sunday because the Ta'anit of the Shabbat, the, the Shabbat will be pushed off the Shabbat. So Therefore, we have special halakhot, special class next week. And it's not just special halakhot class next week, it's also relevant for the laws of Shabu'a Shehalbo as this year, according to the to the Minhag of the Sfaradim, there is no really Shabu'a Shehalbo to Shabbat, as we'll explain soon. Before we get to the halakha, before we get to all the halachot, really, in today's class, we have to give our regular introduction, and that is how to listen and how to reach us. Number one, you can listen to us through the phone line at 712 432 4217 or 718 506 9099. You could also listen and watch us on jrootradio.com. As we are on live right now, you could watch live streaming. You could also listen through the JROOT Radio Pro app. Next, to call into the station, we have Rav today, Arch Hashem for the summer, and he will be answering your phone calls. If he knows the answer, no, nah, I think he's going to give it to me. Okay. If he does, he knows the answer, he said he'll give it to me. And the number to call in is 718 683 5858. And to text in, finally, the text in, the number is 347-927-8398. That is the best way to reach us through the text. This way, I see it as we're talking, and if it's something that we'll be discussing, I'll just stick it in, or we'll get to it. But if it's on the line, sometimes I ask that you be a little bit patient. You know, there's a few second or per, I think it's a minute delay between what we say here and what you hear. So, therefore... Be a little bit patient sometimes. You might hear something. I'll get to it by Zatashim. Okay. Let's with that introduction. Let's get to our halakha. Like we mentioned, because the Av falls out this year on Shabbat, which is gonna be Shabbat July 25th, that makes the fast on July 26th. The real, the the actual halakhot of the Av. And really, that, uh, I guess we could call it the Shabbat weekend, you know, because Shabbat and Sunday will be discussed next week. But like we mentioned, there is a halakha in Shohana Ruch, Nun Aleph Halakha Dalet, which is relevant to us. Maran brings over there, He says, let's say the Shabbat falls out on Sunday or as it is this year, it falls out on Shabbat, but it's pushed over till the following day on Sunday, says the Shohan Aruch regarding the laws of all the restrictions of Shavuah Shabbat, he says, Shabbatot. All the laws that are usually around for the week when Shabbat falls out in the middle of, in this type of year, it's going to be mutar. Ben ben whether the it's the week before the fast or it's a week after the fast, you don't have a problem with all of the restrictions of Shawasha Habo, for example, like laundry or wearing laundered clothing or taking haircuts according to the all this is according to the Sfaradim. However, Maran adds one more note and he says, Maran brings another opinion that there are those who say, there is someone who says, to on him, that there no to, to no, no hag with laundry, mean to say the isur of laundry does apply the week prior to the Shabbat of Tisha B'Av, with the exception of Friday and Thursday, because these two days one is preparing for Shabbat. However, the Ramah says, to us, which is the Ashkenazim, says the Ramah ibn Hagin, l'Ahmir, mit Rosh Hodesh, l'anyan kibus. He says, the Minhag anyway by the Ashkenazim, is that they don't take, they don't do laundry anyway, during the nine days. So, it's not relevant to them. Whether Shabbat, whether the Shabbat falls out on Shabbat, or falls out on Sunday, or falls out, or even on Thursday. It doesn't make a difference, according to the Ashkenazim, as the Ramah brings down. The Minhag is anyway to be Mahmir from Rosh Chodesh, which is coming up this Friday. So therefore, it doesn't make a difference to the Ashkenazim. However, says uh, Ramah, there's an additional stringency, additional humrah that the Ashkenazim have and that is to sport it. Haircuts. Back then it was only haircuts, today it's haircuts and shaving, but to sport it as you mentioned last week, the Ashkenazim have a menhag of not taking a haircut or shaving beginning from the Yud Zayn Tammuz. And therefore, we already discussed that last week. These laws, like we mentioned, it's only, re- oh, oh excuse me, the laws this year, the fact that there is no Shabot Halbo, we rule like the first opinion of Shohan Ruch. Therefore, it doesn't affect the Ashkenazim so much, as much as it does the Sfaradim. For the Sfaradim, it is a much, much easier year as far as the restrictions. This does not mean that one cannot be more stringent. Aminhag is that we don't have to, but certainly if one wants to be stringent and he feels the Hurban and he feels he wants to participate in the morning, and you know, add more things. He feels like he's not doing enough. Certainly, he could do as Rama or as Ashkenazim do. However, if a person is just pure lazy, and that's why he's not shaving and using the Ashkenazim and Hag because he doesn't want to shave during these days, that's not Kavod shamayim. It's not a briot, it's not kabod for also for Shabbat. You usually say, now you're using it as just an excuse. You cannot use it as an excuse. If you really want to do something, Hurban, as the Gemara says, Bet Elokenu, it's worth it to add stringencies upon yourself for the sake of the Hurban of the Beit HaMikdash. We, in our part, will be talking about the halachot of the nine days first, beginning which begins Thursday night, which is uh, Rosh Chodesh, Av, and, and Friday, and then afterwards, if we have time today, we'll be discussing the halakhot of Shavuot halbo because it's not really Shavuot Shehalbo, but it's really an additional humrot, although we, svaradim don't have it, but Baruch Hashem there's a lot of Ashkenazim who are listening to this, and therefore... We will try to discuss that as well. But whatever we do speak about, all the strategies regarding the month of Av apply to both Ashkenazim and Sfaradim. Wherever there is a difference, we will try to highlight it and point it out. Otherwise, in general, wherever we speak is according to Ashkenazim as well as the Sfaradim. Before we get to that, there is one thing that I have to discuss before I move on, and that is last week we were in a little bit of a rush, so I had to rush through the Halakhot. And we mentioned already that one cannot listen to music. You cannot listen to music during the three weeks. And the post scheme, really, if you look at Johan Ruch, really music is not so simple. Listening to music throughout the year is not so simple. Those who rely on it, those who rely on the hetarim of listening to music throughout the whole year, so then, okay, so we are listening to music in throughout the whole year, but to listen to music in these three weeks, even those who are lenient cannot, will agree that it's forbidden. And it doesn't make a difference. Even if it's Jewish music, even if it's nice, beautiful, uh, relaxing music, parv, a kosher, according to everybody, it's made by the Rebbe. If there are musical instruments, we don't listen. A few things that we didn't mention last week regarding this halakha. Here we're going to speak about a few points. Number one, if you walk into a store and they're playing music, you don't have to worry about it. You're not going to the store to play music. In fact, I, this morning I went to the bank. And they had this music, you know, playing over there. And it happens to be, you know, in my olden days, so I knew some of that music it was on those oldie stations. That's what they play in the, in the bank. I didn't want to hear it. I hear it. I recognize the song. I know what it is. But... I'm obviously there to do my business, to walk in and out. I'm not there for listening to music. If I finish my transaction in the bank, and then I said, oh, you know, let me finish a song. It's a beautiful Mozart over here. Let me hear the rest of it. Then it will be a problem. But walking to a store, shopping, or doing whatever I have to do, and they happen to play music, that was not something for me to worry about. Same thing would be if you're going to the gym, this is very relevant. People are going to the gym. Now, over there, it's a little bit more complicated because over there, the music is played in a way that gets you to exercise. It's all pumpy. You're not going to hear Mozart, the classic, you know, tenor, you know, all the you know classical music in the gym. <laughs> that's the wrong place to play it, right? You're going to hear music that's pumping, that's moving, that's, uh sounds like one of those uh, new Jewish songs, you know? That's what you're going to hear in the gym. So now... There's a problem, right? Because you want that music. But still, if your main purpose is to go to exercise, even though the music is playing in the background and it's done for that purpose, they should exercise better. Try to avoid it, obviously, if you can listen to classes or whatever. But again, your focus should be on what you have to do in the gym to work out, in the bank to do your transaction, in the store to shop, and not on the music. And in such a way, you don't have the problem of or you don't have to worry about the issue of listening to music during the three weeks. Let's say now you have a store. You're the Jewish owner and you have a store. Can you play music? Not for yourself. You want to play music for your customers, for the people coming in. You're in an area where your clientele are people who, you know, will shop better or will enjoy the store. It doesn't sound dead. When there's music, you know, the store looks like it's 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 happening. There's things going on when there's no music. It feels dead and people don't really are not interested to stay in. If you're playing your music just for your customers, then it's not a problem for you. Even though you're around the store. I'll call the home if you're in the office, you don't have to worry about it. But even if you're around in the store, but your music, again, is not for you. It's for your customers to you get them. That's fine if you put on the radio, if you put on anything that they like to listen to, fine. However, I did notice something a week ago. And that is that this eter only applies if your customers in general are non-Jews. But if your customers are Jewish, for example, let's say you live in Israel. Or let's say you own a kosher restaurant in a Jewish neighborhood. Who are your customers? Well, you're paying for you're paying for kosher food. You're spending all that money not so you could sell the goy kosher food. The goy is not interested. Yes, goyim, non-Jews, might enter your store, but they're coming because you happen to be there. Obviously, if you have a kosher restaurant, your restaurant is there for Jewish people. So in that case, you can't say, listen, I'm the owner. And the customer will say, listen, I'm just a customer. I'm coming to eat. I don't care about the music. No. In that case, since your clientele are people who cannot listen to the music, so therefore you should not and cannot play music for your customers because your customers are Jewish people. One of the things that we mentioned last week is that if a person is depressed, he may listen to music. Depressed, we got a call afterwards, off the air. What is depressed? What's called depressed? So the answer to that is it's a very excellent question. It happens to me the person who called was a teenager. And this is important to keep in mind because depressed doesn't mean you're not in the mood, you're sad. Depressed is a real sickness, which makes music... Medicine which allows you to listen to it during the three weeks because you're not listening for entertainment, you're listening for therapy for healing purposes. Person who's not in the mood, he's sad because everybody's in the mountains and everybody's away having fun, or think he thinks they're having fun, not with all this rain. Anyway, he thinks they're having fun all over and all of a sudden he's down because he's not around with his friends. That's not the definition of depressed. Depressed is a person who has responsibilities. He's married. He's got kids. And he's got a lot of responsibilities. He has to pay the bills. Not, he can't just take off whenever he wants. And all of a sudden, he's depressed. He doesn't want to get out of bed. He doesn't want to do anything. That's a sickness. That's already, you know, you know he's neglecting himself. He's neglecting his family. And he's not doing his minimum obligations. That's a pest. Not talking about the teenager who decided not to wake up to chakras this morning and put on tefillin in the house and walk around with his slippers. That's, you know... That's not called depressed. Depressed is when it's a real sickness. That's when it would be considered depression that one could listen to music. Another question that's been, that we get a lot is, can I play music for the kids? The kids cannot fall asleep unless they hear music. They got so used to hearing all this relaxing music that, to fall asleep. Could they listen to music? And the answer is yes. Children don't have the Hayyub, as we'll learn later on, they don't have the Hayyub of Mourning, so that's Mourning with a U, M-O-U, right? They don't have the the Hayyub of Avilut, so they could listen to music if it's for them. But you got to be careful, you know, you can't put on your favorite Yaakov Shwaki song and say, oh, I have my kid in the back and your kid is two months old, right? Your kid doesn't need music. that yakov's Shrek at that time. You could put on music if it's their music. Your kids, you're, you're going, you're traveling on a trip, you're, you're driving, it's an hour or two, and your kids are going bananas, and therefore you're going cuckoo. And before you know it, something's going to happen. Something's going to explode, and the whole trip is going to be ruined. You need to calm them down. You want to put Uncle Moishi, you want to put Uncle uh, Yaakov, I don't care. Well, you want to put whatever you want to put for the kids. That's fine can't put your music. You want to put even some relaxing music for them to calm them down, fine. If it's their music when they need it, it's fine. You see them falling asleep and you're enjoying that Uncle Moshi beat, you know, because it's a Kalbacher tune. No, then that's it. That's over. The kids don't need it anymore. So you have to be smart with that. Same thing will be if you're running a playgroup and you have little kids there. And part of the curriculum is that we put on music and we dance and we, we walk around. For the children... For them, for the little kids, it's fine. What about camp, could they play music in camps? So in camps, it's a little bit more tricky. Really, technically, anybody under bar mitzvah should be, you know, the same halakha should be, that you should be able to play music for them. However, obviously, for Hanukh reasons, it doesn't feel right, you know, when some of the kids have, you know, kids who understand and they know this is a three weeks, we don't listen to music, and then they can't be a music for the younger bunks, and they go home and they see their teenage brothers and say, ah, what are you talking about? My rabbi has got a bigger beard than your rabbi, and he said we can listen to music. And so obviously, for halachic reasons, camps will not play unless we're talking about, again, very, very young children. But, min halakha, min sad had-deen, I caught had children on the technically don't have a problem with listening to kosher music in these days. And of course, we'll leave it to your discretion to figure out when when, when and where it's proper to play music for them. That's just a clarification from last week. Now we'll move on to the laws of the nine days. So, therefore... So we'll move on to the laws of the nine days. There are four categories or four areas where we mourn during the nine days that we have to know what the halachot pertaining to them are. The four areas, and we're going to discuss them in the following order. Number one is preparations for weddings. Number two is building or renovating houses. Number three, buying or making new clothing. And finally, number four is eating meat and drinking wine. Now, we just got the thing working, okay, and uh, the text line working, and we see a few questions just on music. Again, I apologize. I really don't like to go out of order, but so we'll just start. Just let me just uh, read some question over here. Okay. I own a store and I have a mix of customers. Am I obligated to play music? There's never an obligation to play music. You understand? You don't have to play music. Huh? Oh, not to play music. That's it, that makes more sense. Okay, sorry. I have a store, let me read it better. I have a store and I have a mix of customers. Am I obligated not to play music? Thank you very much, Rabbi Hassan. Okay. And the answer is that no. If your customers in general, you know, it's, it's an even mix. If, I'll tell you where I realized it. I went to a pizza store last Friday, okay? And then I saw a few non-Jews coming to pick up, uh, you know, to buy a few slices of pizza. It was Friday, Sarah Shabbos. Who comes in on Friday? Me and my kids because my kids want to eat pizza and I took them out, okay? So now, this... The, the the people were kids, who were teenagers coming out of public school. You can't say my clientele is, I have a mix of customers. Of course non-Jews will walk in a restaurant, a Jewish restaurant, because it's around the neighborhood. There's a public school right around the corner, so they can walk in because, you know, we took over the world. I mean, the neighborhood. In any case, so, but that's not called a mix of customers. A mix of customers will be if you're in an area where a shopping area, you have a, a store in the mall where the customers are mixed. You're right. There are a lot of Jews and there's also a lot of non-Jews. In that case, then you could say it's a mixed area. But if it's an area where the majority or your main clientele is really Jewish, so then you should avoid it. The few non-Jewish customers, you don't have to worry about it. But again, it's all relative. There are some people who have kosher restaurants, I believe in this city, very, very upscale, fancy Kosher restaurants, in that case, they I, they sometimes have, yeah, an equal, you know, flow of Jewish and non-Jewish customers. I don't know how they know, but that's what they claim. So in that case, perhaps, okay, then your clientele is a little different, even though you're providing kosher food. So it all depends if who, you know, the majority. In general, if it's even equal, you can play music for them, It's it's fine. Okay, let's go now to back to the laws of the nine days. of the last person to call after the show. Okay, let's begin with the Mishnah. Mishnah, Masichet Ta'anit says, When the month of Av comes in, then we cut down, Mematin. we minimize happiness. What does this mean? we minimize happiness. So that's a that's brought down also in Shulchan Aruch. Samant and therefore we have to cut down on masa umatan. literally means or means business And Aharonim uh, discussed what kind of business are we talking about in general you have to cut down on work and they said no what it means is you have to cut down or minimize business in relations to happy occasions and the number one thing is weddings. A wedding is coming up, we all know how much preparation there is. There's preparation on the hatan side, there's preparation on the Kala side. Everybody's preparing. And not only that, they're sending gifts to each other. You know, some people have a custom, they send flowers. Some people have a custom that they'll send uh, jewelry and all these things that usually come in between the engagement period and the wedding. And of course, the dresses and the whole and all these things. That's what we're supposed to minimize in these days. So let's just give you a few examples. Jewelry. If you're buying jewelry for your wife or your wife-to-be, if you're buying jewelry for your daughter-in-law-to-be, you're buying jewelry for the hatan or for the shower, for your friend, all these things are business-related to weddings. They should not be done during these nine days. That's what we're talking about. You have to cut down. However, if you work in jewelry and that's your penis and that's what you need, working in it happens to be people will come in. Might be people who are buying for their weddings. I don't have to tell them. You don't have to worry about, oh, it's a Jew. I should tell them. That's not your business. Maybe he has a hit I'll explain the hit in a second. If you work in it, you don't have to worry about it. The problem is the person who's shopping for himself or for happy occasions. We all know. Sometimes the preparation is more exciting than the... Actual experience of the of the of the thing itself preparing for a wedding sometimes not all the time, yeah. but uh preparing for something sometimes preparing for the simha alone, you know, it takes a lot, it's a lot of work, but that itself is it's building up for the anticipation of that day that's sometimes more happy when your mind is around simha than the actual wedding itself, right? So that's why we have to minimize, we have to cut down. However, however, the exception, the tear over here is. In a case where one cannot do these preparations after Tashabi Ab, you can't push it over till after the nine days, then because you need to do it now, you you don't have time, so you can do it. A few examples. Ladies have a very difficult time finding dresses, especially the kalla, and it has to be perfect, and and of course the family, the direct family, the sisters and the sister-in-laws, and the mother and the mother-in-law, they all have to wear special dresses and gowns for the wedding, right? So now, if the seamstress cannot do it, they can only do it during these nine days. Why? Because she's going away after the nine days. She also has summer vacation. Or let's say this item is so, um, you know, it's so difficult to, to get. You can only find it now in these nine days. Or the price is ridiculously low. It's such a good sale. It's a real bargain you can get it now if you don't get it now you may have to pay much more later on those are cases all these examples that we gave are cases where it would be mutar for one to do business even though it's for the wedding you can't get it later on you can't get it for the same price you can't get it as equally good in those cases then one could prepare for the wedding even though it's during the nine days that's cases where it's mutar Okay, what about if a person purchased a gift for his wife a month ago? The question is, could he give it to her in the nine days? The question is, wow, I never heard of a, such a husband. I, you, you bought it a month early, I heard buying a month late. But a month early, a shrekha. Lady, you have a very good husband. He's preparing already. Obviously, it's her birthday during the nine days, or it's something that it's in the, I don't think it's an anniversary, right? It's not the anniversary during the nine days. It's probably her birthday during the nine days. And he wants to know could he give her this gift during the nine days? So, we're going to talk about new items later on. This is talking about right now. We're focusing right now on weddings. But in short, very quickly, the answer is no. You should not, it should not be given now, although it can be given right before the nine days. We'll talk about it later on. Obviously, this special situation you'll have to call in after the show and we'll answer that. Next, Halakha, the Gemara says, On that, on those words, understand that we said, Me ma'atim the Gemara says, therefore, Bari Israel, de idle dinah be Any Jewish person that has any deen, that has any court case, he has to go, you know. Basically, to somebody to judge him. He, and he has it against a non Jew. Avoid him in the month of Av, because it's a bad, his mazal, our mazal, is not so good in this month. That's what the Gemara says. Avoid going or confronting a non Jew in these days because our mazal is not so good. Beit Dash got destroyed. in this month. Try to avoid it question is, what should you avoid? The Gemara says clearly, avoid a court case. Why? Because his mazal is over your mazal. You want to win, obviously. You're going to court, you want to win. So you don't want to lose, so don't go in the month. If you have a court case, you see you have a ticket, and you believe you have some sort of chance to win. I'm not talking about all those tickets that you got pulled over in Jersey and you have to show up anyway, and you're not going to get out of it and nothing's going to change. But if you believe you have a chance to win, you have a good uh, ta'ana, you have a good claim to tell the judge, Try to push it off till after the nine days, obviously, if it's possible. Also, what's brought down is any surgeries, if it's possible, obviously, it should not be done, should be avoided during these nine days. Well, no matter what kind of surgery, because we all know in every surgery, once you're opening up parts of the body, you're opening up, you're making the body liable or susceptible to infections. And therefore, because of the same reason it's a, it's, a, it's a bad mazal this month. Try to avoid any sur- surgeries in this month of Av. Likewise, anything that could be affected by bad mazal should be avoided in these days. That's why some people try to avoid going into anything new, like a new business, a new house, a new store. They try to avoid it because you want to get off on a good start. It's not brought down Halakha, this last point, but people try to avoid in these days. Why? Like we said, The question is, one, if you look at the Gemara, the Gemara says, he should, be, he should avoid the Goy, or he should avoid confronting the Goy in the month of Av. Does that mean literally in the whole month of Av? Do we have to wait until Elul? Or does it mean no, because it's Tisha Av? So here we have actually three opinions. Some say, yeah, the whole month of Av. The whole look at the Gemara literally. The Gemara says the whole month of Av is not a good month. Avoid anything. All these things that we just mentioned before. Avoid it in the month of Av. Others say, no, up to Tishabi B'av, which includes obviously the tenth of Av, as we'll get to next week, right? The tenth of Av, up till the tenth of Av, on the eleventh of Av already, you could. Do all these things. You could go to court already with a goy. You could have your surgery. You could move into, you know, start a new thing. You move into a new house, etc. And others say, I believe it's a hatam sofer. No. Up to the 15th of Ab. Because we find that the 15th of Ab is a holiday. The 15th of Ab is uh, a time when the Jewish people had a Yom Tov. It's a mini holiday. And the Gemara says, hayu yamim tobim ke... There's never such good days for the Jewish people. So therefore, up to the 15th of Ab. The Ben says, you could, it's fine, up to the 9th of Ab. He explains, Kabbalah, already the Mazas starts going up. So therefore, that's what we tell everybody. You t- when we said, avoid all these things, again, only when it's possible. Somebody needs surgery, and a doctor is available only now, and the next time he's available, is going to be in a year or two. Now, we don't tell you, wait. No, do it, obviously. But when it's possible, and it's fine with you and whoever is being involved over here. Then you could um, push it off. You should push it off until after the ninth of Av. Add a question. And I didn't see it anywhere, but start a my question. Let's say you have a court case against another Jew. But this Jew is a person who is Mehaleshabad <laughs> shabad He doesn't care about anything. He's Jewish. By name and blood, but he doesn't keep a thing. He doesn't keep Shabbat. He drives on Shabbat. He publicly desecrates Shabbat, which the Shohan Haruk says. Anybody who's Mahal Shabbat B'Far has a din of a goy. If he touches your wine, you can't drink the wine. And there's all these halakhot that are relevant for Mahal Shabbat b'far-hishya. So now what's a, my question? My question is like this. Let's say you have a court case in the nine days against this person. You know, let's say you're fighting over $100,000 and you go into court in these nine days. Does this also apply to him? Or not. I didn't see it anywhere. You could tell me. You could you know, provide your own answers, ask your own love. My personal opinion is, since it's talui mazal, the mazal of a person has nothing to do with his actions. Mazal, that's what the mazal is. Your actions could make you higher or take you above the mazal. But the mazal is the mazal. So therefore, if the person is another Jew, although he's not acting like a Jew, he's not living like a Jew, or like a Jew is supposed to be living. So in that case, he doesn't have any advantage over you. If your mazal is bad, so is his. It's not going to be any different. So therefore, in my personal opinion, you don't have to avoid going to court against a fellow Jew, even though he is a Mahalishabad abad before Hesya. Now, regarding the business, to start a new business, there's no halakha about it. Like we said What's brought down is, in the Gemara, the the mazal is bad. So therefore, it's not asur. Not asur. Going to court against another guy is not asur. The Gemara is giving you good advice. Avoid it. Don't go to court in these days. It's not a good mazal. You want to lose? Go ahead. You like to lose. You'll be on TV. Fine. Do it. But it's not advisable in these days. Likewise, to start a new business, some say, some will tell you, listen, Ramazal, try to avoid it. Halakha? No, it's not halakha. If you have to start a business, for sure you start. This is the season, go ahead and do it. But if you could, that's what we're saying. If you could, it's better for youmazal to start later on. That is the first category of halachot, which are categorized under preparation of weddings. Next category of halachot are building or renovating houses. That's also mimatim because the Gemara says, on these days, when we said in the Mishnah, mimatim the Gemara says that the type of sabhan that we're talking about is In the olden days, a person's son gets married or gets engaged, is about to be married. What they do is the, the father, the family of the boy, takes on the responsibility that they build a house for him, Yeah, build a whole brand new house for him. And then the Hatan, after he gets married, they used to have the, mar- you know, like a ticket tape parade. They'd have a whole mar- a parade in the streets. And everybody comes and dances with them. Eventually, they would walk into the new house. And that's where they have the, the sauda of the Hatan and kallah with the family. And eventually, that's the house where they have the shiva Brachot and where the Hatan and kalah live. That's how it used to be in the old days. That's the Bit Hatnud libno. It's a house which is going to be used for the wedding and eventually for him to live afterwards. That's the house that the Gemara is talking about. That you should be mema'it. It's a house that's made for luxury, for happiness. However, if it's not for that, if a person is purchasing or fixing up his house, he's extending his house. Why? There's no space. He's got eight kids in one and a half rooms. How? How? He's got it's Israeli style. You can only understand it if you've ever been to Israel to own those houses, right? He's Israeli, he came here, somehow he squeezed it, and now people made him a little bit more American. And now he he needs to extend his wife is American. She she can't handle it, or you need space. That's why, by the way, it doesn't have to be so drastic. If a person feels that, you know, it's a little too tight, I can't fit this, I can't fit that. That's also fine. You don't need to have nine children in half a room to be able to do this. It's just just extreme mashal. But the mashal is, is like this. If it's for luxury, it's nicer. It looks nicer. Then it cannot be done in these nine days. But if it's not for that purpose, then it could be done in nine days. I'll give you an example. Let's say a person is an investor. What he does is he buys dead property and he does the hayat He goes to a place and he sees a house that's old, beat up, fine. He buys it from the owner who just wants to get rid of it. He takes it. He does a gut job. He fixes it, he hires a contractor and fixes it. And then he flips it and he sells it on the market. He doesn't need that space. He has his own home. But still, he's not doing it for luxury either. He's doing it for business. That's his business. That's how he makes money. He does not have to tell the guy to stop working during the nine days. Is not doing it for Reva. He's doing it for investment. says, it's fine. It's mutar. Likewise, if a person, like we said, is extending his house or he's building a house that he's planning to move into because he needs a space for it. Not his own personal house that he's living in now. He's He bought the house. He's fixing it up. He wants to move into it. Anything that's needed for space, like we said, an extension, fixing up a room, all that is mutar during the 90s. Another example also, although... A person may not need it, but if he has a great catch. He has a great catch. It's very hard to find this deal after the nine days. For example, there's a house up for sale and you got to buy now. You got to put the money down right now and catch it before it goes up in price. The season is much, you know, it's more expensive later on. And he doesn't need the space yet. He's fine where he lives. It's also mutar. Why? Because like we said in the other cases, anytime that you may incur more financial obligations that will be more expensive to you later on, Hachamim did not forbid it. So therefore over here, the same halakha will apply. If you have a great catch, you have a place to buy, get it. Same thing if you have, uh, if you're the seller and you have a customer and you wanna make sure that he's there, you wanna sign the contract and make sure that you bind him, do it right away, go into it so this way you don't lose what you believe is a good customer. What about moving into a new apartment? Could a person move into a new apartment? Again, the same halakha, the same reasons that, mean, that means if you're kicked out of your old apartment, what are you supposed to be? live in the street because you can't night off? Obviously, you take the house. Even though it's so luxurious and big spacious, you take it. If it's not, so no, I can move in later on. It's not necessary to move in now. But I need the space, also mutar. Or, or, like we said, if it's a great catch, you could also be mutar. But if it's none of the above, it just it'll be nicer. It's a nicer looking place. You should not move in again if it's not necessary. In a case where a person is moving in and he has to make Hanukkah at the like the Mikubalim, Mikubalim say, before you sleep in your house, when you move into a new house, you should make Hanukkah at the bite So in that case, you can make the Hanukkah at the bayt, The Hanukkah at the Bayit, the and the Sareem we're talking about, are Sa'udah, but it's not the Sa'udah main thing. It's the learning that's being done over there. So then just do the learning. Don't make the Sa'udah. Make the Sa'udah after the nine days. But as far as moving in, you want to do a so you do all the learning and that's called the Hanukkah at and that's fine. A few bit of khot in there, it's not called the Sa'udah. Other areas where building is permitted, is when the person, you, ha- you hired a contractor before the nine days and you forgot to tell him not to work in the nine days. And now he comes. And I, and by the way, you don't need the space, obviously. That's what we're talking about. You don't need the space just for decoration. For example, you have up to the painting. Painting your house in the nine days is forbidden. Why? Because just for looks, it's not going to do anything for you. Unless the paint is chipping and the kids are eating the paint and that could cause problems, then you're right. Okay, then you have to paint. But usually, most cases, not that way. You just like the different color. So in that case, painting a house or decorating a house, putting up moldings, all these things that don't do anything to your comfort of living. It's just a nicer look. Then they are forbidden. In a case where it's mutar, a case where it's mutar will be in the shul. Painting a shul during the nine days is permitted because it's for a mitzvah. Anything for a mitzvah is not a problem. Same thing with building. We mentioned building. In the case where a person is building his house even though he's up to the painting, but he forgot to tell the contractor, please don't work in the nine days. He comes to the contractor who's a goy and tells him, please don't work during the nine days. And the contractor says, no, I'm sorry. If I don't work now, I'm getting paid anyway. And you're going to have to lose money for that? Then, "Ah, I mean, we're not. You You could continue your building. But if you could give him a few bucks, and we're not talking about big money, giving him $100, it's worth $100 to make him stop working during the nine days. But if you can't get the guy to stop, then since you did this before the nine days, he may continue on the nine days, obviously, to start painting on the nine days, or even if you're not living in it, but again, just for the looks, it cannot be done during these days. Third category of halachot: buying and wearing new clothing. A little bit of background to why it's Asur. Buying or making and wearing new clothing is Asur because there's a stone in the beta where the Aron used to be on, which is known as Ibn HaShetiyah, as a Hazal us That's where the world was made from. It began from that stone. And the Eben HaShetiyah is similar to the word in Hebrew of Sheti, which is the way we weave things. We put, you know, the strings horizontally and vertically, and that's what makes a clothing. So therefore, we cannot make new clothing during these nine days as a sign of mourning for the Beit HaMikdash. Even if you're planning to wear the clothing after the Shabi'av, still Asur to be done right now. And the Hakamim in our days, they point out this is not all this does not only pertain to making clothing, also pertains to making shoes. And it's not only to making clothing and shoes, also pertains to buying new clothing one Ashkenazi or Sfaradi, cannot buy new clothing in the month in Rosh, from Rosh Hodesh Av until the fast is over. In these nine days, one cannot make or buy new clothing. Are there exceptions? Yes, obviously there are exceptions. The exception is if a person is a tailor or a woman who is a seamstress and she has no other income, this, she relies on this income, it's mutar but should be avoided in Shabbat which this year we don't have. Also, If a person has a factory and he pays the workers per week or per month, and if he shuts down the factory, he has to pay his workers anyway. So he's going to sustain financial loss where, you know, he's not making, he makes garments and and, and clothing and all these things. So in that case also, it will be mutar also to allow them to work during the, the nine days. Another example is if, let's say, part of the curriculum in the school or in a camp is that they learn, you know, the girls learn how to, seam, uh, how to uh, sew or how to fix clothing, or how to stitch clothing. Since they're learning it, it's a skill. They're not doing it because they're actually making clothing. They're doing it as a skill. It's also mutar. Another heter is the clothing was given before Rosh Chodesh to be sewn or to be fixed. Then one can be lenient if, when it's necessary, but only up to Shavuot Shehabu, which again, this year doesn't apply. And finally, if a person's doing needlework, needlepoint, you know how ladies do needlepoint for therapeutical reasons. She's bored out of her mind. It's either that or she's going to be on the internet or television, and that's fine. She's doing it just to relax. If she's doing needlepoint because her son's bar mitzvah is coming up, then no, it cannot be done during these days. It has to be done afterwards. Okay, what about what about buying new clothing? When is there the exception? The exception is a famous one, which is a sale. And like we mentioned many times in the past, a sale means you can't get it afterwards. That's what it really means. If there's a sale because you know it's fixed into the store sign, you know, it's in the store window. Some people just put a, the sign that says sale and they never take it off, right? and we fall for it every every time and we always walk in because there's a sale, there's a sale, a crazy sale, right? They'll just take, maybe the word crazy, they pull up and down, you know, just to make it. But otherwise, there's always a sale. That's not what it means, sale. Sale means you can't get it afterwards for this price. Let's give you a few examples. There's a real good sale, buy one, get one free. After the nine days, I'm gonna have to buy one and buy another one, there's no free. That's called a sale. Another, that's a very good price. Or another example, I'm buying it now because I'm, I won't be able to get it afterwards. I'm traveling, I have a, a bris in Pennsylvania. What gets me to Pennsylvania? Don't ask, okay? But I'm here in Pennsylvania. I have a friend, an old Kavrusa, and I'm by his son's bris after 20 years of marriage. Mazda, he had a baby boy. And now I happen to see an item that you could only find in Pennsylvania. And if I have to drive back after nine days, it will be available, but it's crazy to drive back. I have to pay tolls and things. And it's irreli- even if it doesn't cost me much, but such a tarha, such a burden to go all the way back to Pennsylvania to get this rare item, I could buy that clothing in these nine days. And like we, uh, like we mentioned, if you can't get the item itself, even though it's not on sale, but it's very rare. It could be even down the block. But you know that this item is very rare. If you don't get it now, you won't be able to get it later. It's also permitted. Another hit there is, if you need it now, it's also mutar to buy it. You ran out of socks. You need socks. Fine. You could buy socks. Your pants got ripped. They got ruined in the rain. You have no other pants. You have no other suit. You need it now because it's necessary now. There is a hit there for that. You need new shoes for Tisha B'Av because, you know, the B'Av, we don't wear leather shoes. It's fine to buy it now. Things that you didn't do need now also, you have a hetir. Minor alterations also are permitted, like putting back a button, a patch on shoes or things. That's also mutar. However, what's excluded from the isur, means to say what you can purchase in these times, even though it's brand new and everything else, even though it's not on sale, and even though it's I can get it anytime later on, are things that are mitzvah, like sefarim. You want to buy a sefarim to learn in it? That's fine. Even though it makes you happy? That's fine. You want to buy a new talit or new tefillin because you need them to wear. Not because you need them to store them or you want to give them as a gift. No, you need them to wear. It. That's also fine. You want to even fix a garment that is hayab tzitzit, like talit katan or talit gadol. It's also fine to be, fi- to be fixed in these days. Next, One last thing before talking about buying After that, we're talking about buying or making new clothing. I did see, brought down the name of the Grot Moshe, that when you buy, there are certain uh, certain appliances and big things that people buy and it makes them very happy when they buy it. If it's not necessary, they're just doing it because it's better, then it should be avoided during the 90s. For example, a fridge, couches, a new car, washer or dryer, all these things, if you're doing it only because it looks nicer. That means my fridge is working. Yeah, shelf is missing here and there. But, you know, pretty much we've been running fine with it for last year until I heard enough from my wife and now I have to change it. So in that case, I want to switch it. But you don't need it now, do you? No. So then it's that sort. Same will apply to all these appliances that we said before. But if you do need it now, your fridge stopped working. So what are you doing? Without a fridge? No. You don't have to go buy an icebox. You could buy a fridge. Your catches are all ripped up to the point that they cannot be you can't sit on them. You get them. A new car for business, I need to travel, I need to take uh, take merchandise in there even though it's a brand new car. It's fine. Only when we're talking about that it's for nicer, you know, I need I I have a car already or I have another running car. I'll have to go buy the new model that just came out. Again, like we said, if there is a time when you feel it's a crazy sale and you really will not be able to find it later on, then you c- could be lenient. Last category of Halachot in the last 10 minutes that we have, we're getting a, a, over here a text that the phone lines are not working. So I apologize to anybody who's trying to call in and uh, you could, I'll be around after the class. The number is 7186835858. You could call in after the class and I'll be around still and um, We'll take your phone calls, Bezat Hashem. Okay, let's go to the last of the halachot, and that is eating meat and drinking wine. Background to this halacha. The mizbeach. we had an altar in the Beit HaMikdash where we used to bring on it korbanot, and these korbanot were mechaper, and therefore they made us, like the word korban, they made us karov, made us closer to Hashem. Beit HaMikdash was destroyed, we don't have a, anymore and therefore as a result there's no more meat on the Mizbeach and there's no more wine that's poured on the Mizbeach which is known as Nesachim as a result we do not eat meat or drink wine in these nine days now there are many different Minhagim when it comes to eating meat and drinking wine even the Gemara itself and the Gezira itself there's a lot to it but because of the time we can't go through all the details let's just go straight to the Halakhot Sorry, it's a little dry, but we need to know what to do. First of all, Sfaradim are noheg in not eating meat or drinking wine, only beginning from the second day of Av. Which means this year it will not apply until Motzei Shabbat because Friday is Rosh Chodesh, and Rosh Chodesh we do eat meat and drink wine, and on. Shabbat, and on Shabbat, anyway, everybody, Ashkenazim, Sephardim, we all eat meat and drink wine. So therefore, it doesn't apply to us until Sunday or Motzei we'll Shabbat, as we'll talk about soon. Ashkenazim, they have different Minhagim. Most of them will not eat meat or drink wine, even on Rosh Hodesh. And therefore, in those days, when I used to eat in restaurants, I can never find any meat restaurant that was open on Rosh Hodesh, even though it's owned by Sephardi, because all the Ashkenazim took over the Hazgaha. But it's okay; we forgave them for that. Um yeah, thank them for that. Anyway, then there are but they there are those who I did see that some have a menhag that they eat every rosh hodes. they very very machped every rosh Hodesh, They have meat. In that case, there are some who are matirim. Check with your local rabbi. Some people have a menhag that they do eat chicken in the, during the nine days. That's uh, brought down in naham tzaim. That's the Egyptian Jews. They do eat chicken nine days, although they avoid meat. However, most people do not eat meat or drink wine at all but yet some people have a minhag also of drinking wine fish according to all opinions is fine but grape juice even though it's not wine grape juice is forbidden the minhag is also although it's not that way from Maran but the minhag is also even if you have a food that was cooked together with meat and you're not planning to eat meat for for example you have spaghetti meatballs you took out the meatballs all you have is just spaghetti the minhag still applies to eating those spaghetti the rule is if you have to wait six hours for it, then that means if you eat it, and you have to wait six hours to eating dairy, then you should not eat it during the nine days. But if you don't have to wait six hours, then you could eat it during the nine days. For example, if you cook in meat pots, let's say you cook something part in meat pots, you cooked noodles, cooked spaghetti, rice in meat pots. Doesn't make the meat, the the, the noodles or spaghetti, it doesn't make it meat. You don't have to wait six hours after afterwards, so then you can eat it. If you have soy food that tastes exactly like chicken, it tastes exactly like meat, mutar, because you don't have to wait six hours. The gizra was only on meat and as the Aharonim added, things that are cooked together at the same time with meat. What about children? Children who are weak or sick. Of course they can eat meat. That's even for adults. Even adults who are weak and sick and they need to eat meat, they can eat meat, Sh- Ashkenazim and Sfaradim alike. In that case, although it will be better for them to have chicken. Why? Because chicken is a bird and bird, chicken were not brought as a Corban and so it would be better. We're no hag That chicken also we don't eat, but in that case, where a person has to eat, it would be better to have chicken. But if a person must eat and that doesn't, you have to eat. You need some red blood cells in your body, need to have meat, go ahead and eat meat kids bar mitzvah we have a mahloki between Ashkenazim and Sfaradim according to the Ashkenazim once the children understand about the korban, even on the underban mitzvah they should not eat meat or drink wine Sfaradim however according to Maran as long as you're underban mitzvah that's it you can eat meat and drink wine are people noheg this way? Not really. Most people will not give their children, even Sfaradim I'm talking about, they will not give their children meat in these days. I don't know if it comes out of lack of knowledge or because they don't feel it's right. Whatever it is, if the kids need it for sure, you don't have to hold back. You can give it to them. Certainly if they pick something out of the fridge and they're under by mitzvah and they eat it, there's nothing wrong. You don't have to stop them. Another exception is when one is eating by a mitzvah. Some mitzvah, for example, a if it's and a person is invited or a person would come anyways, not just coming for the meat. Then he can eat meat over there if they're serving meat. Likewise, making a siyum. If a person made a siyum and it happens to fall out during the nine days, then they could also have meat. Hakam says, even if you plan that you should have a siyum during the nine days, it's also fine. So those who are you know, they can't wait to have a barbecue and each day another person is making a siyum and they're doing it to under nine days. Akham B'tzion doesn't like it, but Akham B'l-Zion says it's fine. It's still considered a seudat mitzvah. Another case that's a mitzvah is when you have to make habdalah on Moza'i Shabbat. We make it with wine or grape juice. Here there's a difference between Sfaradim and Ashkenazim. The Ramah says, and that's a minhag of Ashkenazim, that if you're making havdalah, then you give the cup of wine or grape juice to somebody under Ba mitzvah to drink. In that case, even though they're above the age of understanding, you know, they're above the age of seven or eight, it does make a difference. You can give them. However, according to us, since it's a mitzvah, that's it. We hold its mutar across the board. Even if an adult is making, it should be an adult, an adult who is making havdalah on matzah e Shabbat with wine or grape juice, he could drink it. He doesn't have to go and make it on beer to avoid making it on grape juice and wine. Mitzvah Khatala to do it on wine, and that's what he should do. Another case of a mitzvah: If a person throughout the year is makpid, is very careful, then whenever he has three men eating bread together, they make zimun alakos, and he's careful to do it throughout the year. He doesn't have to avoid it on during the nine days. It's a mitzvah. Berchat haMazon alakos is a mitzvah, and therefore he could make berchat He could make zimun alakos yayin and drink it afterwards. In a case where a person by accident picked up a piece of meat. He saw it in the fridge. looked tempting. Didn't realize, he forgot it's a nine days. And he made a berakha. and Then he realized, oh, it's meat. It's nine days. I can't. So we don't tell you to do berakha Not eating meat is a menhag. Berakha batala, according to some opinions, it's deoraita. So therefore we tell you, take a bite, eat from it. It's fine. And then put it down afterwards. Obviously you have to wait six hours. What about leftovers from Shabbat? Can one eat the leftovers from Shabbat on Motzei Shabbat? After Motzei Shabbat, There's no question. You cannot eat it. But Ahmad am Shabbat. Could you have it from and Malka? And the answer to that is as follows. Really, there's grades. Try, you know, based on all the different opinions combined together, there are different levels. Try, the best thing is if you can freeze it and nothing wrong will happen to your food. It's like the olden days where this Poskin spoke about, you know, listen, you you could eat them on Shabbat because otherwise it can go in the garbage here. No, it's not. If I freeze it, I'll have it for afterwards. A lot of people even do this like a They have food, they cook, and they freeze it and they wait for it till afterwards. If you're not going to throw it out and it will be fine till after the nine days, that's the best thing to do. Leave it. If not, it will be thrown out if you don't eat it now. So then, you could give it better if you could give it to children if they're going to eat it. But, if you don't have such a scenario, or if you're a person that always eats your makhbeed every Moza'i Shabbat to have Mlavi Malka with meat, you can also have the leftovers. But if all these situations don't apply, yeah, you usually have pizza on Moza'i Shabbos and your kids uh, don't want to eat it or they're not around to eat it. And then no, all these cases, and nothing's going to happen to it. Freeze it, you cannot eat it. Wait until after Shabbat. Or after nine days, excuse me. I think that's it for now, because anyway, we're out of time. So if you have any questions, you could call into the station right now. Next week we'll be talking about specifically the laws of av And there's a lot to talk about, especially this year that falls out on Shabbat and it has to be pushed over to Model Shabbat. We'll speak about all the that pertaining for that Shabbat, for Shabbat Hazon, as well as B'Av. Anybody who has any questions, you could call in right now at 718-683-5858. I hope the lines are working. Or if not, you could text in 347-927-8398. This class will be aired on again tonight at 11 p.m. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. Thank you, Nassan, and thank you, Iran and Nisim, for your help here at the J-Root Radio.